Disclaimer. In this chapter, we will be discussing the murder of two young girls. Anyone discussed will be considered innocent until proven guilty. This will be the only warning. Some of the details may be triggering for some audiences. And it's pretty disturbing. Let's get into it. Through flu? (laughs) Or otherwise... We had to do this one right away because it's crazy. So I am shook, you guys. Like this Delphi case, um, six years in the making, uh, we covered the case, I believe it was chapter three. Yeah, honestly, it's probably the case that made us want to do this podcast. Yeah. Um, I don't think that my coverage, like in the episode, did the case justice. Um, but then we did an updated, um, like an update episode. Wasn't it Kagan Klein? There was Kagan Klein in there, but we also talked about Rick Allen because at that time his attorneys had filed a motion to have him moved. Yeah. Um, those pictures were released of him looking very emaciated and they said that he was being treated like a prisoner of war and kind of very dramatic filing. Um, so we included that in our updated episode. But then things kind of died down a little bit and anything that we were hearing was kind of rumors and supposition and just just more things that nobody could corroborate or speculation. And things that, that couldn't be confirmed because they weren't releasing anything. That's right. It's all just been more speculation and just more like rumor mongering. So mm-hmm. It's not that I haven't been paying attention to the case. I just haven't really been posting anything on it. We're basically waiting for Rick Allen to go to trial in January at this point. That's that's what everybody's been waiting for. And then last week, Rick Allen's attorneys filed a motion basically saying that they wanted the the fruits of the search of Rick Allen's residence thrown out. They don't want the search of Rick Allen's house To be brought in. To be brought in to trial. Yeah. And in that filing, they had made an accusation that one of the investigators, Tony Liggett, had left out information purposely and had straight up lied about other information in order to get that search warrant. And that kind of, it kind of almost ticked me off because I thought, you can't just be putting an official court record these blind accusations that aren't Mm -hmm. based in fact and I I couldn't believe that that actually happens that they are allowed to just accuse the police and accuse investigators of lying in a court filing with no evidence to back it up so I did post that on our Facebook because part of that uh, filing was also to allow court our cameras in the courtroom and kind of around that same time frame like within a day or so Brian Kohlberger's attorneys and the state in that case were arguing against having cameras in the courtroom so it all kind of came out at the same time Rick Allen wants the cameras where Brian Kohlberger does not want the cameras so it was just interesting timing for me so that's why I posted that on the Facebook page but again ticked off because of the accusations that after like I said after that updated episode we did where we talked about the defense saying that he was being treated like a prisoner of war and all of this stuff um i just thought how dramatic why is the defense doing this they're just misdirection and and trying to take the focus off the rumors that rick allen actually confessed to his wife 
um, in prison. And Yeah. And I mean, like, before we get too far into it, just so that listeners know what we are going to be discussing in this chapter, there are now details. Mm-hmm. So, like, this isn't just same old information that, you know, people have been talking about. This isn't last week's news. This is Mm -hmm. new details, disturbing details Mm -hmm. that are going to open up probably for even more speculation, but... Yeah, I mean, for sure, and that's why it's important that we keep in mind that anyone discussed... Because this document names names and points direct fingers, and we're going to go through it. But just so everybody knows, today is September 18th, 2023. Um, this is when we're recording it. What time of day is it? Around 2 in the afternoon? One fifty p.m. So this filing was made on September 18th at 2.06 a.m. So this is fresh. This, is, this was filed today. And what this document actually is is called a memorandum in support of the accused motion for Frank's hearing. And that was what they requested as far as the search warrant goes. So this is basically um, their supporting document. This is why that they're looking for that. I'm going to go through it. When I first started reading this this morning, again, I just thought, what kind of fairy tale nonsense is the defense throwing out there like it it was it was almost hard to keep reading it because I thought what world is this okay that we can just keep lying and making shit up and wasting the court's time but as I kept reading it became just as bizarre but seems pretty legitimate to me at this point and I really as dying all morning to get Brie on board to to go through this with me and she said well we should record it so that I don't have a kind of a preconceived opinion on what I'm hearing. This is the first time I am hearing and going through this and I don't want to say I'm excited but it does feel like the the end of a chapter to open up a new chapter to a case that like I've been wanting to know what the fuck is going on for so long. So as I um As I go through this, bear with me, because like I said, it sounds nonsensical, but trust me, okay? If you're not familiar with the Delphi case, there's lots of coverage out there. I am not going to do any kind of recap. I'm just going to get into this motion for Frank's hearing. I'm sorry, the memorandum in support of the motion for Frank's hearing, and uh We fully recommend going back and listening to the Delphi episodes before Mm -hmm. you dive into this one Mm -hmm. because it'll it'll just kind of make that chapter close again, like I was saying earlier, to open up this new new trial chapter, let's say. Yeah. So let's get into it. Comes now, the accused, Richard Allen, by and through counsel, Andrew J. Baldwin and Bradley A. Rossi, and file his memorandum in support of his request for a Frank's hearing. Introduction. Because the facts of this memorandum are dense for anyone not yet completely familiar with this case, the defense is providing this introductory section similar to the syllabus that often precedes a long and complex U.S. Supreme Court opinion. 
The purpose of this introductory section is to provide the court a general understanding of what to expect concerning the facts upon which the defense will be relying and how those facts impact the legal arguments before providing the necessary detail, minutia, and notation to the record that could bog down the court as it attempts to unpack the defense arguments the defense therefore will provide little attribution as to the source of the evidence in this introductory section but will then provide proper attribution to the sources of the evidence throughout the body of the memorandum following the introduction eight things to know overwhelming evidence in this case supports the following Members of a pagan Norse religion called Odinism, hijacked by white nationalists, ritualistically sacrificed Abigail Williams and Liberty German. Very early on, those in charge of the Delphi murder investigation claimed that they consulted with a Purdue professor concerning what resembled possible Odinism signatures left behind at the crime scene. After the Purdue professor proclaimed that it was not Odinism or any type of cult worshipping or any type of group that would have conducted the crime, the Odinism angle was essentially abandoned. However, as of September 7, 2023, the leaders of the Delphi investigation team, one, they claim that they cannot identify who this purported professor was, two, have provided no reports from this professor, and three, have further indicated that they may never be able to figure out who the professor was. Based in large part upon this mystery Purdue professor's opinion, the Delphi investigative leadership claimed that it essentially abandoned considering Odinite involvement in the murders. And then the years passed 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022. Thankfully, during those passing years, law enforcement Officers Ken Murphy, Greg Ferency, Todd Click continued to pursue the truth. Because of their curiosity and investigative efforts, the evidence establishing the names of the likely murdering members of this Odinite cult became known to the Delphi investigative leadership no later than February 2018. So on May 1st, 2023, the state of Indiana, by way of prosecutor Nick McClelland, received a letter from former Rushville Assistant Police Chief Todd Click, who is now retired. As stated in the previous paragraph, Click, Murphy, and Ferency were three of the law enforcement officers who worked on the Delphi murder case, particularly focused on the Odinite angle as it intersected with suspects in the Rushville, Indiana area. After reading Richard Allen's probable cause affidavit, Click became concerned that the information contained in Rick Allen's affidavit pointing the finger at Richard Allen was far less compelling than the totality of the information that Detective Ferency, Detective Murphy, and Officer Click had accumulated during the Rushville portion of the investigation. The information that Murphy, Ferency, and Click had gathered during their investigation connected men who practiced Odinism in or near Delphi with another group of men who lived in Rushville and then connected both groups of men to these murders. Click was concerned that for some reason the leadership of the investigative team 
had failed to share with Prosecutor McClelland the evidence gathered by Click, Perency, and Murphy. Click's concerns led him to seek out a lawyer to assist him in the drafting of a letter. This letter was sent to um, Mr. McClelland. The letter was not provided to the defense until after it was obvious from the last round of depositions that the defense would certainly be talking with Todd Click. McClelland had this letter in his possession for over four months before turning it over to the defense. There can be no mistaking that this letter is exculpatory in nature and could have been used in the defense as it prepared for upcoming depositions. However, it is apparent that McClelland only offered up the letter after it was obvious that the defense team would soon be learning of the letter's existence. In other words, the defense team would obviously be meeting with or deposing Click in the next few weeks. So that that's basically the defense saying that the prosecutor, Nick McClelland, had this letter and he was sitting on it hoping he would never have to give it to them, but ended up in May saying, oh, okay, so you found Todd Click. You're going to talk to him? I have this letter. Only because they were about to find out anyway. Okay. So at that time, Click most certainly would have then revealed to the defense that in April of 2023, he had sent a letter containing exculpatory information to McClelland. At this point, McClelland had two distinct choices. One, sit on the exculpatory evidence hoping that the defense team would refocus its effort on another angle of the investigation or two disclose the exculpatory evidence claiming that the contents of the letter were overlooked in the volume of discovery he chose number two unfortunately for the state neither approach explains away the fact that click specifically directed the letter to mcclelland himself and further Click was so determined to ensure his information was consumed by McClelland that he directed the information directly to Nick McClelland via certified mail. The letter is stamped, Received May 1, 2023, Carroll County Prosecutor. Click's report landed at Ground Zero, a prosecutor's office with no more than two full-time prosecutors and a handful of full-time staff members at best. Could this exculpatory evidence have been completely overlooked? Not plausible. So he basically sent the letter to Nick McClelland, registered mail, and it was registered as received on May 1st. And the defense is saying someone in that office knew it was there. They can't say, oh, it got buried or I forgot or I didn't realize. It's not believable or reasonable to believe that. Not only did the prosecution withhold that letter from the defense, but law enforcement also withheld several other exculpatory pieces of evidence, including an 85-page compilation of reports by Click prepared in 2019 and several videos containing statements that support the defense's theory of Richard Allen's innocence. This 85-page report detailed the investigative work performed by Click, Ferency, and Murphy, and others, including the FBI. So according to the summary of Click's investigation that he attached with his letter, the Behavioral Analysis Unit, or the BAU, of the FBI determined that the individuals responsible for the homicides were involved in Nordic beliefs. 
This was news to the defense, as no member of the unified command in charge of the investigation revealed this information to the defense during recent depositions. This includes Trooper Holman, who told the defense that he didn't remember if the FBI's BAU unit determined one way or the other whether those with Nordic beliefs had been involved in the murders. At least up until the time of this filing, the prosecution has provided no evidence whatsoever of the findings of the FBI's uh, BAU unit concerning involvement of Odinus in the murders. None. The letter that Click sent to McClelland was the first that the defense has heard that the FBI actually believed that Odinists were likely involved. In other words, this report contained exculpatory evidence that unified command concealed from the defense. This information was and is crucial for Richard Allen's defense. Some of this exculpatory evidence in the form of videos was finally released to the defense on September 8, 2023, over nine months after defense counsel entered their appearance. The defense is still reviewing this September 8th evidence dump. In the brief time the defense has had to review this newly received evidence, it has found exculpatory evidence both in the videos the defense has had to watch and the documents that the defense has reviewed while the prosecution has been holding on to this exculpatory evidence, Richard Allen has been living in hell. Lastly, the evidence will show that the week of August 28, 2023, Prosecutor McClelland and State Trooper Jerry Holman requested a meeting with Todd Click. By this time, the defense team had taken several depositions, including Holman, Liggett, and Tobe Lesenby, and the prosecution and Delphi investigative leadership now knew that for a while the defense team had been aware of the Odinist evidence, at least the evidence that the prosecution turned over to the defense scattered throughout multiple hard drives and many flash drives. The prosecution had learned in early August that the defense had figured out the strong Odinist ties to the crime despite the apparent attempts of the prosecution Liggett and Holman to hide this exculpatory information from the defense. Wanting to ally his fears that an innocent man was sitting in Westville, Click agreed to attend the meeting with Holman, hoping that he would be learning that evidence did in fact exist linking Richard Allen to the murders. Click's hopes were dashed. Paragraph 17 of Click's affidavit reads, Upon directing the letter to Mr. McClelland, I heard nothing from the prosecutor's office or any other members of Unified Command until I received phone calls on August 23rd and August 25th, 2023, which involved brief discussions regarding scheduling. During these phone calls, it was requested that I meet with Trooper Holman during the week of September 4th, 2023. I was informed that law enforcement officials intended to sit down with me and discuss with me the reason why Richard Allen was responsible for these crimes. I was told that he, Jerry Holman, wanted to put my mind at ease. However, during the meeting with Detective Holman and a second detective, whose name I am unfamiliar with, there was no discussion or offerings as to why they believed Richard Allen was guilted of the charged crimes. I believe the interview was an attempt by them to clean up their loose ends, knowing that they had given very little, if any, 
attention to the investigation efforts of myself, Detective Ferency, and Detective Murphy. Interesting. So not only did Carroll County Sheriff Tony Liggett fail to include all of this Odinite information in his October 13th, 2022 affidavit for search warrant, so that's the affidavit to get the search warrant on Richard Allen's house, and not only did Nick McClelland and the Unified Command withhold exculpatory evidence, Liggett also concealed damaging witness statements that devastate Liggett's timeline. A timeline Liggett needed to be true in order to place Richard Allen at the trail when Abby and Libby were abducted. Additionally, Liggett lied in his affidavit about the statements from another key witness, further devastating Liggett's timeline. Richard Allen has zero connection to any pagan cult or pagan cultists, and furthermore, no forensic evidence such as DNA or electronic evidence links Richard Allen to the girls or to the crime scene, i.e. he is a completely innocent man. This is very interesting because, like, I feel like it's quite obvious that he is bridge guy. Right? So, like, what the fuck is going on? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Most of the evidence backing these assertions was found scattered over no less than 10 hard drives and several flash drives provided by the prosecution, meaning that the defense is not making wild accusations, but rather primarily relaying facts and information that is backed up by the prosecutor's own discovery, even discovery that the prosecution just provided to the defense as late as September 8th, 2023. Not coincidentally, members of this pagan cult are also employed as corrections officers for the Indiana Department of Corrections at Westville correctional facility where Richard Allen is being held. It is inside of the cold concrete walls of the maximum security unit of this dilapidated reformatory that Richard Allen is being threatened, intimidated, and mentally abused. Okay, so are they are they insinuating that there are Satanists? Paganists? Pagan group? Yeah. That also a, a work cultist? at the Odinus. Odinus. Odinus, whatever. They're, but the they're Viking, Yes. Okay. They're claiming that correctional officers that are part of that community <laughs> work there and, and therefore are torturing him and maybe making him confess to his wife over the fucking phone. Are you kidding me? That's some deep shit, if that's true. That's why I told you on the phone. Like, I'm shook. I am spit. My head is spinning. And they apparently have evidence that these officers even sported um, patches on their uniforms. Um, But, like... We get into it. Like, it's in here. Are these recognizable patches to just your everyday Joe Schmo? Is the question. No, but it's not unlike... Do you know the Mason, wow. uh, the Freemason? It looks like a like two Vs, kind of. The... Like a W? No. Two Vs. No, like a... We'll get into it, though. Let's just... Come. So throughout this document, references are made to the, quote, unified command, unquote. 
Essentially, the unified command was the leadership of the Delphi murder investigation, according to Tony Liggett, who was Carroll County's sheriff and member of the unified command when the investigation began. Unified command consisted of law enforcement from a variety of entities, local, state, and federal. Uh, Unified command were overseers of the entire investigative operation. According to Liggett, the members of the Unified Command are and were um, from Carroll County, Tony Liggett and Kevin Hammond, from the State Police, Jerry Holman, Jay Harper, and Dave Vito, and from the FBI was Rich Davies. So that whole part that we just went through, it was a lot, and I guess for some it might be a little bit boring and technical, but it's just kind of laying the foundation why they made that accusation in the filing last week that Tony Liggett was not honest when he applied for that search warrant and why that search warrant, the fruits of that search warrant, should be omitted from trial. Now we're going to start slowly but surely getting into some of the more disturbing information in this filing. So I just want to put out a trigger warning there. i Bree's going to read it for me just because um, I'm actually, I feel quite connected and quite close to this case and this is really triggering for me. So Bree's going to read it and I'm just going to kind of help her absorb what she's, what she's reading for you. So to confirm, it's Odinism. Odinism. Odinites. Odinites. And runes. Runes. So that is the title of this next section. Odinism is the pagan religion referenced above, and its followers are called Odinites. Odinites are enamored of Viking Nordic culture. Evidence supports that the crime scene these murdering Odinites left behind obvious signatures, symbols in the form of runes. Ruins. Runes. Runes. These runes were, one, formed with sticks, two fashioned with tree branches, and three painted using the blood of Liberty German. What the fuck? Sticks and tree branches were deliberately, carefully, and proficiently placed on each girl in a certain arrangement mimicking certain ruins. Interesting. At least one of the branches appeared to have its end cut off cleanly by some type of tool like an electric saw, providing proof of its preconceived plan. Additionally, the blood of Liberty German was used as the paint to mark a tree with a ruin that looks similar to the letter F. With a simple Google search, these runes would be identifiable as one of the many calling cards of this pagan religious cult. Yet, law enforcement in charge of the Delphi investigation seemingly and quickly abandoned the obvious correlation between the crime scene and Odinism, despite an obscene amount of evidence linking Odinism to the crime scene. Interesting. Does Okay, so it says, although state police superintendent Doug Carter pulled the plug and kicked the FBI off the Delphi murder case around 2021 over some conflicts, according to Jerry Holman, 
Interestingly, Tony Liggett, who was deposed before Holman, claimed under oath that Doug Carter was not involved in making decisions for the case. Furthermore, he claimed to be unaware that the FBI was even kicked out, let alone that any agency had actually kicked out the FBI from investigating the Delphi case. It is quite odd that the salient topic of Doug Carter kicking the FBI off of the Delphi case would never have been discussed between Liggett and Holman, who are working so closely with one another in unified command. If that can be believed, it would be quite perplexing. So So that, to me, is very interesting. Like, I didn't know that a superintendent or otherwise would have the authority to kick FBI out of an investigation. They can. I mean, the FBI have certain criteria that has to be met before they're required to be there, like, like a crime that spans more than one state or... There's certain kind of financial crimes and serial crimes, so things like that. So they could have argued this actually wasn't this cult that you guys are maybe thinking, and therefore that's, you have no jurisdiction here. Right, and that's what that's what the defense is kind of saying, that the FBI actually originally believed that the evidence pointed to that. I wonder why um, the FBI wouldn't have fought harder. Right. Maybe it's more of like, a, oh, you don't want to help, fuck you kind of thing. But I can't see that. I mean, it could be, yeah. could be at the beginning, we need the FBI, we need all the help we can get until things started looking like they might be taking longer than they wanted to, they wanted it to, and then difference of opinion, whatever happened, and they say, I don't think we need your help anymore, thanks for coming, type mm-hmm. thing. Um, just as a side note, Merriam-Webster defines rune as any of the characters of any of several alphabets ruined in the Germanic peoples from about the 3rd to the 13th centuries. Many runes look like the letter F, including a rune called Anzus. 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 Anzus, which among other things stands for Odin. Also, the court will learn in his affidavit for search warrant that Sheriff Liggett failed to inform Judge Diener that nothing, absolutely nothing, links Richard Allen to Odinism or any religious cult. Also, no forensics, such as DNA, no electronic data extracted from his computers or phones or from his social media links Richard Allen to the crime scene. Additionally, nothing links Richard Allen to any of the Odinite suspects, the same Odinite suspects that evidence strongly supports sacrificed Abby and Libby in some sort of pagan ritual. Richard Allen had nothing to do with this crime, but rather is an innocent man, a patsy for the police, arrested 26 days before an election. Oh, right. That's a huge mic drop. Yeah. They really said that. And they said, here you go, public. Read it. Damn. They did. And is it is it peacocking? Is it real? Or are they just throwing this out there? But to me, and I've obviously been wrong before, but they the, the information that they include, even from here forward, is so specific and so graphic about what happened to the little girls and about the evidence left at the crime scene that they know that the judge knows exactly what was at that crime scene. So 
I don't think it serves the defense to put falsehoods in this filing. Otherwise, the judge isn't going to give it as much consideration as if it were had accurate information in it. Do you know what I'm saying? I do, and I feel like they would have been reprimanded by now, and I believe the judge would have put something out by now if what they were saying or putting out was outlandish. Right, especially with this kind of detail because it's unconscionable. If it's lies and if it's not accurate information... How could you put that information out into the public like this, mm-hmm. knowing the the effect that it would have on the families? Yep. Like, my God. Yeah, no kidding. Okay. So this next part is labeled failure to pursue the Odinist links. Law enforcement's failure to actively pursue the obvious links between the crime scene and Odinism is confounding. It is even more confounding when days and weeks after the murders, a particular Odinite from Logansport named Brad Holder posted on social media images mimicking the very runes found at the crime scene, a crime scene unreleased and unknown to the general public even to this day. Who was Brad Holder? He was an Odinite whose son, Logan, had been dating Abby? Yep. What? What? This is what I mean. At this point, I started paying attention. I was like, no. What? This is why this this shook me. I'm telling you. Brad Holder's social media post seemingly taunted the very police. Sorry. Woo. Uh seemingly taunted the the very police that refused to fully investigate him. The defense believes that the court will be shocked at the murder. No, sorry. I'm so shaken. I told you. (laughs) I told you. This is some shit. That is crazy. The defense believes that the court will be shocked at the number of clues or Easter eggs both before and after the murders that Holder openly posted on his Facebook page that pointed the finger to his involvement in the murders. Are you saying Brad is the guy who looks kind of like Bridge Guy? Shut up. And you know that stupid cap that's in that? He he has has, that? He has a picture posted, a selfie saying, you like my hat or whatever. Send it to me. No. <gasps> Is that just on his profile? Like, like, or did somebody post that after? No, no, this is on his profile. That's just on his profile and you went and you looked and you found it. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Is he arrested yet? <laughs> no, but like I said, I, I went into his Facebook and I, I went... Oh my god. I went trolling into his Facebook and he checked in at the same gym that he checks into almost every single day on the 13th at 2.41 p.m. on the day of the murders, at the time of the murders. So either he stopped what he was doing and checked in to a gym at Logansport from the crime scene in Delphi, but even if he had done that, the police would have been able to ping his cell phone to there, unless... What the defense is insinuating is true, and they're somehow a part of this cult, which I don't believe. But I'm just saying, and some of the posts, like on Valentine's Day that year. Okay, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. 
I honestly think that this is probably going to be the end of part one. But as we're able to edit and get the rest of these parts out, we are going to just drop them. So you guys might not get an episode on Friday, but there might be one, you know, Wednesday or maybe a couple Wednesday and one Thursday while we go through the rest of this document because there is some mind-blowing stuff yes, to go and it's, through. It's almost 140 pages long, so it's not a small, insignificant document. This is huge. Huge, huge, huge. huge. And we will, we will go through it all next time on True Crime Story. I'm Bree. And I'm Char. And we'll see you on the next part. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.